Hello there, welcome to a brand new Arsblog Arscast right here on Arsblog.com. How are you? Hope you're well. Thank you for being here as always. It is an FA Cup quarterfinal weekend. That's right, we can get into the semifinals of the FA Cup for the third successive season if we beat Watford on Sunday. Sounds good, right? But as ever, in the world of Arsenal, things are not quite as simple as they seem. There are issues on the pitch in terms of players missing through injury. We'll talk about that. And off the pitch, there has been some, uh, what's the word you might use, consternation about tickets, about opting out, about boycotts of this particular game to try and make a point about the way football is at the moment, the way Arsenal is being run at the moment. So we're going to discuss that. Uh, with Red Action. They'll be here. They were part of that particular issue this week, and they'll be here to talk about it and explain uh, where they were coming from on that. So, it is a week, though, in which we have won a game of football, which was nice. It's the first time we'd won since February the 14th. Uh, We're going to talk about that. Uh, The victory that came at some cost, of course, uh, with injuries and what have you. We'll talk about that. But just wanted to say that uh, this week, Arsblog uh, got a very nice shout out in Esquire magazine uh, from actor Mark Strong. You know the guy. He was in, you know, Fever Pitch, that film about that football team that did something really late. Remember that? That was a good story. He's also in Kingsman. He's been in loads of things, absolutely loads of things. He's in the new Sasha Baron Cohen movie as well. But he was uh, doing a questionnaire thing for Esquire magazine, as I said, and he was asked his favorite things, so technology, uh, style, what's his favorite jeans, Levi 501s, apparently, what's his favorite spirit, Widow Jane Bourbon, which is uh, unquestionably one of the nicest bourbons I've ever, I've ever had. Unfortunately... Uh, For those of us living in the UK and Ireland, nobody is importing it here, as far as I know. So you can only get it when you're in the States, which is uh, rare enough for me. Uh, But I highly commend him on his choice of bourbon there. And then he was asked other things like, uh, what's his favorite tool? So a pen or what's his watch? And then website. And he said, arsblog and guardian.co.uk. I think he just kind of threw that in there to, you know, try and be cool. Or, you know, to to offset the, the fact that there's no real reference to Arsenal when you see Arsblog. And people might draw a different conclusion. It has happened down the years that people have heard the word Arsblog and thought it was going to be something far different from what it was. But big thank you uh, to Mark Strong. It's in the latest episode, or episode, what do you call them? Edition of Esquire magazine, page 85. And you got to say that if there is ever a film made about this modern Arsenal Maybe something miraculous will happen. We get like fever pitch two between now and the end of the season. Imagine, imagine the last kick of the game, the final kick of the final game of this season. And somehow, miraculously, we go on to win the title. I know, I know, I know, you know, but we can dream. But anyway, it happens. It happens. And someone says, we've got to make another, we've got to make a film. We've got to make a movie of this. This is amazing. We've got to make another movie. Fever pitch two, the re-arsenaling or whatever it is. Mark Strong there's got to be, he's the only man out there who could play Steve Bold, right? It's perfect. Absolutely perfect for it. So come on, Arsenal. Do it for us and to get Mark Strong the role of a lifetime. So look, what else? What else? Okay, what else? I'm going to talk a little bit about Aaron Ramsey, right? And I know he's a player who uh, who divides opinion. I know he's a player who frustrates people, and I get that. I understand that. I like Aaron Ramsey. One guy emailed me last week and he said that he could no longer read the website because I was too nice to Aaron Ramsey. Maybe I am. Maybe I'm too soft on him because I like him. But I'm just one man. We all have our personal favorites. We all have players we like and players that we don't like. But Aaron Ramsey picked up an injury this week in the uh, FA Cup game against Hull. And it's an injury that's probably going to leave him out for six weeks, maybe more, which is disappointing. And yet, there were on the uh, comments on Arsblog News, on the Facebook page, uh, which I can't really control, unfortunately, uh, the Facebook page, as well as I can control the stuff on Arsblog News. But there were people trying to leave comments on Arsblog News, which were absolutely just pure spite, really nasty stuff. The same people, of course, 
who go mad. They go crazy when Arsenal's injury record is brought up. We have too many injuries. It's bullshit. The medical staff are useless. They don't know what they're doing. But at the same time, when Ramsey got injured, they're laughing about it and saying, this is a very good thing. People, you know, not only have taken pleasure in the injuries got, but went so far as to wish him further injuries uh, so he wouldn't come back any sooner. Because, you know, we're, we're chock full of midfielders. We have so many options. We don't need any squad depth, do we? No. What's the point? Squad depth? No, once your once your least favorite player is injured, that's the main thing, right? It's just a weird mindset. You know, I get when people get frustrated with players, but I don't for the life of me understand somebody wishing one of our own players ill fortune, ill will, injury, disease, pestilence, leprosy, pretty much anything they can come up with. My basic feeling on this, right, is that um, you don't have to like a player. Nobody says that you have to love him. Nobody says that you have to be happy if he's in the team. You don't have to go out and name your firstborn child after this particular player. But surely, surely, if you're an Arsenal fan and you've seen players injured and you've seen how injuries affect this team and its chances of winning things, and I know that there are other reasons for that, but that's a big part of it. If you take pleasure in a player being injured, if you wish him further injury or pain, or that you hope his absence isn't just six weeks, but six months or six years, as I saw repeatedly with Ramsey this week, then you're a fucking moron. You're an idiot, a dickhead. You're somebody who needs to get a fucking life. And I hope nobody ever lets you work around children. Because if a child is crying or hurts itself in your care, your idea of comforting it is probably shaking it till it's dead. And look, it doesn't even happen with injuries. It's not just when it happens with injuries. I spoke about this on Twitter a couple of weeks back. I was wondering, for footballers, what is the reason that they're on social media? Genuinely. Because the downsides far outweigh the upsides, apart from being a promotional tool for their brands and their sponsors. That's the reason why they're on Twitter. And as far as I can see, with very few exceptions, and there are a few, the only thing that being on social media does for footballers is provide a channel for people to abuse them. Sometimes fans of other teams, but sometimes fans of their own team. Lots of them, in fact, most of them don't even run their own accounts. They've got social media people out there who do that job for them, who put out the content, ya gonna ya, and all that. You know, it's a team of people who do it. Now, I don't know if that's necessarily true in Aaron Ramsey's case. I think when I said it, um, was it one of the guys from She War who said that, yeah, it's a a social media company who runs Ramsey's account. But we lost 3-2 to Manchester United on... February 28th or 29th, and uh, March the 1st is St. David's Day, the patron saint of Wales, and Aaron Ramsey, or Aaron Ramsey's social media team, posted in Welsh and in English, Happy St. David's Day, and they put a picture of Wales or a dragon or Charlotte Church or something typically Welsh. I don't know. Fairly innocuous message, isn't it? Timing, you might argue that it probably wasn't the best having just lost to Manchester United. Sometimes it's the best option to stay quiet, but that's all it was. Happy St. David's Day. Curiosity got the better of me, and I had a look at Aaron Ramsey's Instagram, on which were posted many, many comments in response to this, the most vitriolic, provocative social media message I I can ever think of. Happy St. David's Day. And, uh... I collated some of them. These are genuine responses to to Ramsey's Instagram. And uh, I should point out that the language in this is uh, industrial, to say the least. Break a leg, Ramsey, before the Euros. Score goals, you twat. Defend properly. Fuck off, sheep-shagging cunt. I hope you die. Fuck off. Fuck you. Speak English, fucking spack. You fucking disgrace. Shit performances in you tweet about rugby and dead elephants. Suck your mum. That was all in caps. You can't even run properly. You fucking useless cunt. You're shit. Either leave or just perform, you cunt. 
Fuck you, you cunt. Shut up and fix your form. Go back to Cardiff if you can't get back your form. Ramsey, you are among the floppiest players on earth, with no doubt. I even hate to see your face. I wish I could write your shite in Welsh, fucking nonce. You had so much potential at Aaron Ramsey. Instead of playing golf and posting your shit pics, why don't you train harder? Stay in a couple of extra hours a day and practice your job. So stop ruining my weekends with your shit performances, you Welsh prick. Ha ha, you're a fucking joke, mate. Both you and your country are a fucking joke. You fucking sucks, Ramsey. Ramsey, or whatever your name is, can you step up your game or put in a request and leave our beloved team because you full of shit whenever it matters during a game? Come on, you gunners! Keep posting pics instead of improving yourself. All this Tim or wasting on Instagram who should be electrocuting your brain might make you smarter. Charming stuff, eh? Yep. It really is. Those were Arsenal fans, by the way, leaving those messages for Aaron Ramsey. Now, of course, if you've been on the internet uh, more than once, if you've ever watched a YouTube video and read the comments underneath it, you'll know that there are a lot of people in this world who probably, if we're being realistic about the prospects of the human race having any future, should be lured onto a giant spaceship probably by the promise of vouchers to get in-app purchases on their favorite stupid game where you move little colored things around the screen and then blast it off into space forever and ever. And I know we'd need more than one spaceship. We would need a plethora of spaceships, uh, a fleet, a gigantic fleet, but it would be a start. And I know as well that probably you shouldn't give them the oxygen of publicity That's also true to a certain extent. But don't we also have some responsibility to highlight this kind of behavior? That if people grow up with that, reading that, if they think that it's acceptable to use social media, to use the internet, to simply abuse other people, then what are we doing to try and solve that problem? And it is surely a problem if that's how people behave and if that's the way people react to a message like, Happy St. David's Day doesn't really reflect well on people as a whole, but then a lot of stuff people do doesn't uh, doesn't reflect well on the rest of us. But I separate myself, as I'm sure you do, from, from those kind of, you know, mouth breathers. But it is just a bit disheartening sometimes, isn't it, to realize that we share something with those people in common. We're Arsenal fans, and they're purportedly Arsenal fans as well. And they think it's okay to say those things, and really, it isn't. One of the complaints uh, we get on the site quite a lot, if uh, if uh, if people are blocked or that kind of thing, they say, we've got free speech, free speech, you're a fascist, this is free speech, you're, you're censoring us. Fucking right I am, and I will continue to do so, until such time as I can take it no more, and I go live on a beach far, far away from all of those people, just me and some bottles of Widow Jane bourbon, despairing for humanity. I won't care. I've got bourbon, though, so it'll be fine. It'll be fine. But look, let's get on with the rest of it, will we? Because this took us down a little bit of a meandering dark path there, and I apologize for that. So look, we are playing Hull in the FA Cup this uh, Sunday. No, we're not. We're playing Watford because we already beat Hull. That's right. We beat Hull 4-0. 4-0. Two goals from Walcott, two goals from Olivier Giroud. Not the most convincing performance, but when you've been playing the way we've been playing, uh, you'll take it. You'll take anything. Some good uh, some good performances on the night, though. Alex Awobi, he's looking like a player, isn't he? Joel Campbell was very good as well. Yeah, that was it, really. But, you know, it was still good to win 4-0. I enjoyed it. And it sets up this quarterfinal with, uh, with Watford on Sunday. Now, what kind of crowd we're going to get in the stadium on Sunday remains to be seen. A lot of season ticket holders have, have opted out. 
Uh, they had the opportunity to opt out of an extra game on their season ticket uh, by midday yesterday. And a couple of the fans groups and uh, the Gooner website got together to release a statement to talk about the uh, potential for a boycott and what sort of message that might uh, send. So with me now to discuss all that from Red Action, it's Ben Frost. Hi there. Hey, Andrew, how are you doing? Good, thanks. Uh, and thanks for your time this afternoon. Let, let's talk about what what's sort of gone on a little bit over the last uh, over the last 24 hours or so. Uh, Red Action, along with uh, Black Scarf and the Gooner uh, released a statement or came together to release a statement in relation to the the cup game against Watford on Sunday and and season ticket holders uh, had the option to opt out of this game uh, before midday yesterday Um, and you were encouraging people to do that can you sort of explain why? Yeah, I mean, I think um, obviously we all all fondly remember the Barcelona game last month when... uh, Sort of, you know, the club came along, sort of asking for more money on top of the season ticket, and mm. and you know it's a very similar situation. I mean, everyone knows that season tickets include sort of seven cup ties, and that this is the eighth. But you know, you think a club, a club as rich as Arsenal, with a TV deal coming in, you know, do they really need to to go back to fans who are, you know who are already paying sort of pretty pretty significant prices and and ask for more money? So um, you know, I think. Those of us, those of us at the, at the Guna, the Black Scarf, and, and Red Action, I mean, decided individually that we were, that we were going to sort of, well, really vote with our feet on this one, and and uh, and not take up the, you know, the extra costs, which club level season ticket holders don't have to pay. By the way, extra games are included in their season ticket, so there's, you know, there's no reason that it couldn't be the same for, uh, for general admission. So yeah, we just decided we were going to sort of vote with our feet and. Um, and, and opt out of this one. Okay. Well, look, a couple of things that just uh, spring to mind fairly obviously there for me is that everybody knows that there are seven cup games on the season ticket. When you purchase your season ticket or where you pay for your season ticket, you know there are there are seven games. Um, the eighth game is as a consequence of being successful. That's why we're in this situation. Um, but then with that knowledge, what, what did you realistically expect the club? I mean, do you, do you, I'm playing devil's advocate here because, you know, there are obviously things about the, the way the club is run and, and everything else that I think we're all very much on the same page on. But, you know, what, what did you expect the club to do in this situation? Well, I mean, I think, you know, yeah, what did I expect them to do? Probably exactly what they did. <laughs> but what? Which... I mean, they, they, they didn't necessarily do anything. I mean, you can't sort of go to them and say, we knew that we get seven cup games when we buy a season ticket, but now we want another one. Well, I don't know. I think with an eight billion TV deal or a big share of an eight billion TV deal, um, you probably could. I mean, you know, and, and I know everyone, everyone knows, they, you know, they go into this with their eyes open when you buy your when you buy your season ticket but you know the the uh, the amount of money that arsenal are coming into newly since since we all signed up because those tv deals are you know relatively uh, you know, relatively recent thing um, and i say the fact that they club level season ticket holders don't have to pay extra if we're successful and so you know there's there's no reason that that couldn't be the same for everyone is is a club level season ticket not a lot more expensive than than other season tickets yeah it is but you don't get you don't get the uh, the begging bowl sort of coming around when you uh, when you get to an extra game in the car. Well, it's not, it's not a begging bowl, though, is it? You know, I mean, it, it is what it is that everybody's everybody's kind of aware of it. And you yeah. know, if you if you make progress in the competition, I mean, we could could have got knocked out, um, and this wouldn't be an issue at all. But that would be a different complaint entirely. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, so it, it just strikes me as a bit odd that we're well, here. Is, I mean, this is the this is the choice, right? I mean, and I think it is. It's. Um, yeah, it's good that it's good that we have the choice and the opt out. But and so you know, those of us sort of just in, individually, the 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 guys of, of those sort of three fan organisations have said that you know we're, we're I don't don't really fill up for paying for this, paying extra for this one. So we're just going to vote with our feet on it. Okay, but what happens if we get to a semi final or a final? I mean, will that game be worth paying for? Well, I mean. We were, we've, we've been asked by a lot of people on Twitter, you know, what if it had been Chelsea? What if it had been Spurs? What if we miraculously kind of get through against Barcelona and then, uh, you know, and have a have another tie? I mean, I think, I mean, personally, my view is, I mean, I, yeah, I think I'll probably opt out of that as well. Um, yeah, season tickets uh, kind of expensive enough as it is, and I know it's, it's a great problem to have. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, personally, I think I'd probably opt out of that one as well. All right. But look, let, let me come back to sort of red action then. And 
and your involvement in this, I mean, people uh, who are around and people who've been online and people who go to the stadium will know that you guys do some some great stuff. And on your website, it says that uh, Red Action is a group of Arsenal fans with one simple aim, to improve the atmosphere at Arsenal games and to give the best possible support to the team. And we've seen lots of great initiatives uh, that you've done and, and obviously the uh, the display against Barcelona and, and in previous games uh, and previous uh, uh, nights, you, you've done fantastic work with banners and everything else. And I know that you're sort of slightly hampered uh, to some extent by what the club will allow and won't allow. But how does how does this tally with your one simple aim because if lots of people opt out or lots of people boycott this game and that was the language that you used I mean boycott is quite a strong word you know how does that improve the atmosphere for this one I mean is it not the team that's going to feel the effect of this rather than rather than the the, the owners or the club themselves they are they really going to make uh, is this going to make any difference to them well, I think, I mean, a lot of people that have the view that, you know, going on, you know, going on strike, not buying food and drink in the stadium or protesting, you know, any any kind of protest. I mean, it, it fundamentally, it doesn't make any difference because Stan Kroenke has our money already. Um, and so, you know, we, lots of lots of people have sort of been saying since, um, you know, since we came out with the statement, why not do it for the last game of the season? Well, fundamentally, the owner doesn't care because, because he's, he's got the money already for it. So, I mean, I think, you know, that when is there ever going to be a good time to do this? Well, I mean, potentially it's the time when you get a game at very short notice with an opt-out where the club might, and it doesn't look like it's actually going to be the case, but where the club might struggle to uh, to sell the tickets. Mm. I mean, it's a, it's a good, you know, it's a, and obviously it's a, it's a very good, it's a very good question of sort of how that, how that meets with our aims. I mean, you know, we, uh, ticket prices in general, I mean, they're, we we think that the effects of ticket prices. I mean, we've seen we've seen some of the most vocal supporters in in Block Five and Block Six, you know, turn in their season tickets over the last few years because they just simply can't afford to keep coming to football. So I think there's a there's a wider issue about about fans and about the fans' relationship with the club and that the effect of that on atmosphere, um, which is the which is the point we're trying to make. And this is you know this is just one game, um, but we're trying to make a wider point here that. You know, the, the the club is the club is and has been sort of pricing out some of the most vocal fans, some of the biggest contributors to atmosphere, um, and you know, yeah. So there's there's never there's never going to be a good time to do this, um, but this seemed like a it seemed like a good opportunity given the short notice on the game. What? Actually, one one thing to say yeah. is actually I'll say it, it looks like, yeah, you know, we knew that probably one of three things would happen: either that everyone would would kind of ignore it and say, "Well, fine, if you want to opt out, you do that," and 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 you know, by the way, that's absolutely fine. This is, you know, it's just a, this is just a personal choice of a few of us. Um, or, you know, lots of people would have opted out, and lots of red and silver members would have uh, would have bought those tickets. And that kind of looks like what's happened, actually. Um, if you if you looked, you know, I looked earlier on a, on a silver membership at the at the seat map, and it looked like, I mean, there were tons of singles. If you want to go and sit in block five or in block six. In most blocks in the lower tier, there are there are singles, but they're being taken up. They're disappearing fast to red and silver members, which actually I think is a personally is a win-win. I mean, Stan Kroenke hasn't got my extra thirty-six quid, but there's also going to be lots of people who probably don't get the chance to go. And I think actually, to be honest, the atmosphere on Sunday will be great because there'll be a lot of people in the lower tier that aren't normally there. Mm. Um, and you know, one of our well, one of our other big problems is there are with the atmosphere, there are ten thousand season ticket holders who. Show up 15 minutes late, go off for half time five minutes early, leave 10 minutes before the end, and sit in silence for the rest of the time. And actually, you know, if those people are opting out of uh, of some games, that's maybe no bad thing. Hmm. Well, look, you know, I, I I see that point for sure. Um, I mean, if it was a personal thing that four of you out of six of you are, uh, is what you said, right? That if it, yeah, it's actually if it, all six of us now. Oh, it's yeah. all six. Okay, so so is it is it? I mean, it's clearly not an individual for in, or individuals. It's it's a collective thing that's obviously representative of 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 red action. Well, no, I mean everyone everyone made their own decision, and I mean one of the things red action. Obviously, we have we have that block in the stadium, which is but that's not red action. Red action is just six guys who uh, yeah. You know, get together and and you know design design and get flags made and and try and sort of arrange stuff with the club. So no, there's there's no party line here. All six of us kind of made our made our own. Uh, 
yeah. made their own decision. That just happened to be the same one. Okay, so you say there's there's no good time to do it, but would it strike you that doing it in uh, the game in an FA Cup quarterfinal when we're trying to get a historic uh, three in a row in the FA Cup and in a game which you know realistically represents this club's best chance of of winning a trophy? There are some people who might say, well, why aren't a group like Red Action? doing everything they can, if atmosphere is so important, if atmosphere uh, can provide the 12th man, etc., etc., you know, if you can do it for Barcelona, a game uh, in a competition that we're not realistically going to win, why yeah. can't? Why wouldn't you do it for this FA Cup game? Because well, it's surely the success of the team and the, uh, and the, uh, and the, 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 the chance of winning a trophy is what drives all of us as, as football fans. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, again, it's a good question. I mean, so we, I mean, a couple of things on that. One is, I mean, we will, we will still be, um, be a, we're working out the details with, um, with Arsenal now, but the plan is we will still be arranging to, to do stuff in the stadium um, or, or, you know, to have, have that huge flag going across the North Bank as the, as the teams come out and to do things for the, for the atmosphere, for the people that are, that are in the stadium. Obviously we were, you know, we were active on social media sort of yesterday last night and this morning about the opt-out the deadline for that's gone now so that's almost you know the, the fact is now that there are a load of people that uh, are choosing to go to the game and obviously we want them to get as involved as possible we want you know we want that huge flag surfing across the north bank um and absolutely now it is absolutely yeah 100 percent sort of focus on the team it's just the six of us won't be there okay <laughs> All right, um, but we're so, six people, right? We yeah, yeah, yeah. That, no, we don't, we don't make that much noise. No, I know, I know that, I know that. But you know, people, um, I, I suppose people will look at. They don't look at you as six people. They look at you as you know an organisation or a representative group. So yeah, that exactly. that would be just a thing. I mean, it seems like sort yeah. of a a mixed message in a way. But I mean, we've you, had actually. Well, so one thing we've had a, we've had a lot of uh, a lot of red members tweeting us saying thanks because because they would would they be able to get tickets. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. they would never, they would never get a chance to to get tickets. And I think, I, I mean, as I say, that is a for me, that is an absolute win-win. We've got, you know, well, Stan Kroenke doesn't get my thirty-six quid, but there are people in the ground who, you know, might not normally be there. And you know, like you see for, uh, like you see for League Cup games, when yeah. you, when you sort of shake that stuff up, um, hopefully, you know, especially in the lower tier, there'll be a lot of people that aren't normally there that will. Um, yeah, I say, I think the atmosphere will be great on Sunday. Why wasn't um, there? I mean, why wasn't there something in that in the the statement that you made then? Because this is obviously uh, a statement on behalf of season ticket holders for the most part who've opted yeah. out of a game. So why wasn't there something in that statement to say, well, look, this is what we're doing and this is what we feel we want to do. Uh, you know, to make a point that we want to make, but the consequence of that is that more tickets are going to be available um, through the club for this particular game. And we would then encourage red uh, red members uh, and other members who want to go to this game who don't usually get the chance because they're sold out, we encourage them to take our places. Well, I mean, that's a that's a simple one. The, the initial message was just to season ticket holders who obviously, you know, had the option to, to opt out or... Uh, or not, and and you know a couple of things that we sort of didn't or that that wasn't in the statement um, that we that we were sort of quite active on Twitter over the last sort of twenty four hours saying the first thing is it's everyone it's everyone's individual choice and you know you you shouldn't shouldn't opt out because we say so I mean you should you know you should read the statement have a think about it and make and make your own choice and everyone should do that um, and you know there are going to be a lot of people that a lot of people that agree a lot of people that don't don't agree and I mean that's that's fine. We know that you know. We know that that um, people are going to have sort of very different opinions on this. And then, yeah, there wasn't there wasn't mention of silver and red members just simply because it was a it was a statement to season ticket holders to you know to think about whether they wanted to use the opt out mm. option or not. Okay. Which which by the way is a great option. I think you know one if I think about one of the things that the in particular the Arsenal supporters trust and the Black Scarf movement have been sort of very vocal in supporting. Uh, is the idea of a league-only season ticket, where you know cup games are cup games are not tacked on for season ticket holders, and I think that's that would have a, that would have a couple of really good effects. One, very relevant to Red Action's sort of remit around atmosphere, that it, you know it would get it would get probably you know younger people, people that aren't normally there, into the ground for cup games, which is uh, yeah. Let's face it, I mean the 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 atmosphere for a normal game needs a bit of a shake up. There are too many people that are sitting there not really. Uh, 
not really not really contributing and sitting there sort of very passively. So um, yeah, the you know the the more opportunities we have to get new people in, the better. I think. Mm. I mean, the, the, I think there is obviously. I think everybody would agree a wider point to be made about the atmosphere, about ticket prices, about uh, you know you 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 mentioned the Barcelona thing, the the surcharge for that, and clearly that yeah. was a, a a massive cock up um, on behalf of the club in the in the way that that was uh, communicated to people, and in the way that the decision to withdraw it was communicated to people it, it all felt it all felt like it put put people's backs up so you know i, I mean i do yeah. i do see that issue absolutely um i mean what about as uh, um somebody on twitter uh andy yorkshire gunner uh yorkshire gunner i can't remember if it's gunner or gunner now but sorry andy um who said well what about trying to if you're going to do a boycott why not boycott something like the emirates cup because that's well, you know th- th- that doesn't really have any tangible effect on the team. It, it won't affect them in a competition that they're trying to win, and it's it's their thing. If they can't fill a ground for the for the Emirates Cup, then that's what reflects really badly on them as well. Yeah, I, mean, I think the other that's that's not a bad idea. I think it would be very difficult to do though, just because the you know the the. I mean, I, I, I took my uh, I took my young daughter to the Emirates Cup this year, and the, and, and the sort of demographic of people there is is very different, um, and you know, not quite. I don't I don't think it's a particularly sort of militant anti-Stan Kroenke uh, crowd at the uh, at the Emirates Cup. So I think you know, getting a getting a boycott. I mean, it's so hard. It's so hard to get fans to do anything. Um, in in sort of huge number, so I think I mean it's a, yeah it's a good idea. It would it would obviously you know cost the club money and not really have any meaningful impact on the field. But I, th- I mean practically, I just think that's it would be very difficult to uh, to sort of make a dent in the numbers there. Mm. You know, ultimately those these tickets you know are are, are bought and paid for already, so yeah. it's it's not going to have the 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 effect maybe that. <laughs> that people might like. You know, I mean, there is a school of thought, isn't there, that the only way that people can make a genuine protest at how the team is playing, well, there are a couple of ways. One is that you can go crazy and boo and go mad. And I guess for an organization that has the aim to improve the atmosphere at Arsenal games, that's not something you would encourage. That's um, right. We wouldn't encourage that. Right. <laughs> okay. So the other way that people can do it is to actually stay away. And what was there not evidence of that for the Swansea game in the Premier League at a time when we were, if we'd won that game, I know it's a big if, but if we'd won that game, you know, the the gap at the top wouldn't have been uh, anywhere near as big as it is now. And you could realistically say Arsenal were, were still in the title race, but people didn't turn up for that game. So how much yeah. of the onus then is perhaps on the club? Um, you know, they talk about how good players put bums on seats. Is, it, yeah, is I mean, that what it comes down to? I think there are a couple of things there. I mean, Swansea, yeah, Swansea was shocking, and and the whole um, the whole FA Cup, the the home uh, FA Cup game was pretty shocking as well in terms of the number of people that stayed away. I mean, I think one thing on that, you know, everyone's gone crazy over the last twenty four hours when we've sort of said, you know, when we we've said that we're sort of opting out of the Watford game. I mean, yeah, ten thousand people opted out of the Swansea game, and no one seemed to care about that. But you know, we go on Twitter sort of saying that six of us are opting out of Watford, and and. Uh, Social media goes crazy, which is uh, an interesting thing. Yeah, that but, never yeah, happens. And I think, yeah. you know, I think the other thing is, I mean, one of the things that sort of makes this quite difficult um, is, you know, there are there are empty, there are lots of games where there are lots of empty seats, and um, you know, and unlike the Liverpool sort of walkout, I mean, Arsenal don't seem that bothered. Mm. Uh, They've got the, you know, they've got the money, and and you know, the, again, the Arsenal supporters trust have been very consistent in sort of saying, you know, Arsenal need to do more to get those seats filled, um, you know, to make it easier to transfer them, to improve the ticket exchange, maybe some kind of home home uh, home credit scheme that you get something for actually making sure the seats filled. So if you don't want to go, I mean, pass it on, pass it on to someone else, and get someone else in that seat, um, not with much. Not with much kind of reaction from Arsenal um, mm. since yeah you know, since it's been suggested. So I mean I can only assume that they're not they're not terribly worried about empty seats. All right, I'm um, just very finally then you know as a I suppose as a supporters group with a different remit from the Arsenal Supporters Trust or, or Black Scarf or uh, yeah. or Asa or, or any of those. Um, is it something? Is is stuff like this? Uh, something that you're going to continue with? I mean, are you going to liaise with those other supporters groups? Is it is it incumbent on all of you to get together and try and figure out 
effective ways to make these points without it necessarily having a, a negative impact on the team. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. The, you know, the, we, we've got we're lucky. We've got a few different groups with a few different remits who are all sort of um, all sort of plugging away in their own different areas. Um, much more unites us than divides us. We, we've had a, we've had a few um, not recently actually, and we probably we probably ought to uh, do it again soon. We've had a few meetings with sort of the, the the main leaders of each of the main groups, and as I say, we agree on far far more than we disagree on. Um, and so, yeah, absolutely, more more working together is um, is on the cards. I mean, fundamentally, we, we all want the same thing, and you know, both Arsenal supporters trust that Guna, Asa, uh, and Black Scarf, you know, they all they all want a stadium that's uh, that's rocking just as Red Action do. Um, you know, we want sort of fair ticket prices because it all you know it all pulls in the same direction as a you know a better deal for fans and uh, yeah, more noise and uh, and support for the team. So yeah, we we agree on far far more than we disagree on. And it's actually, I mean, I heard Tim Payton talking about this uh, last night. Um, the number of people that sort of run these groups, you'd be you'd be surprised how few it is. I mean, you know, Red Action, all the stuff that Red Action have done, it's six people basically. I mean, and it, it, a hardcore of sort of four. The Arsenal Supports Trust again, it's you know, it's the same, it's the same group of you know, no more than a dozen volunteers um, that are that are doing all that they come out with. And Black Scarf again, you know, it's it's a handful of people. Um, so yeah, I mean. We also need more people to get involved with all fans groups. I mean, if you've got opinions on this stuff, you know, join a fan group and get involved. All right. Listen, Ben, uh, we'll leave it there. But thanks a million for your time. Really appreciate it. No worries. You can follow Red Action on Twitter. It's at Red Action AFC. That's at Red Action AFC, not just at Red Action. That poor guy got copied into a conversation yesterday on Twitter and he was like, what? What? What's going on here? So at Red Action AFC. Now, before we get on with the show, a competition. How about it? You like competitions? I like giving you stuff. So it all works out well. Today, I've got two prizes from our friends at Art of Football. That's art hyphen of hyphen football dot com. They've given us two Dennis Bergkamp t-shirts and two Dennis Bergkamp prints to give away. Uh, all you have to do to win one of these two prizes, so you get a t-shirt and a print, is answer this very simple question. Against whom did Dennis Bergkamp score his final Arsenal goal? Against whom did Dennis Bergkamp score his last ever Arsenal goal? Put your answer and your t-shirt size, please, into an email uh, to competition at arsblog.com. That's competition at arsblog.com. And I'll give you the winners on next week's show. And do check out the stuff on Art of Football. It's art hyphen of hyphenfootball.com you can follow them on twitter as well i'm guessing it's art of football another one of these things that i should have looked up before i started uh, their twitter is art underscore of underscore football man they don't make it easy for themselves hyphens and underscores but that's where you'll find them all right joining me now for some football chat we've got julian h from gingers for limpar good evening to you Hello, thanks for having me on. Uh, pleasure. Uh, so look, a win against Hull uh, in midweek, 4-0, clean sheet, four goals for the first time since uh, we played Leicester back in September, two for Giroud, two for Walcott, but some injuries too, but more positives than negatives? Well, it ended up being mixed feelings really, didn't it? Um, mm. I mean, this kind of glow of winning a football game or not even winning it but watching uh watching your team win a football game i think we we kind of forgotten about that and a lot of the a lot of the kind of angst around the club um perpetuated by angsty treaters like myself uh i think was partly due to that just you know going uh, what well, I was going to say for us is a very long time, but really for any team, uh, you know, have, having what was it, four, five games without a win? Was it yeah. or four? Actually, five, I think. Yeah, good. It's good that we always uh, reach, research these things before we start talking. Isn't it? You know? <laughs> let's call it five. Let's yeah. just be let's just be negative for the sake of it. Um, is you know does sort of grind you down a little bit and um, especially at the point of the season where things are supposed to be clicking and just uh, I mean it was just very nice um, that night this week just just to just to feel that and waking up the next morning and just you know that's the kind of pathetic thing that, that <laughs> drives us football fans just having that that 
feeling after a win. And then, I mean, this is just what it was like for me. I think perhaps some other people were just more switched on, but then there was the hangover of the injuries where you kind of thought, oh, God, actually, this could turn out to be quite a bad night. You know, it was very nice scoring four goals, tonking them and, and having all that, but ultimately scoring four goals away uh, a hole in an FA Cup tie is not uh, may not end up looking like such an important factor if um if these injuries are anything to go by and I, and I think that that was that was reflected in in the manager's mood as well mm. um he's someone who who tends to be uh in fairness a, a little bit less short term and less reactionary than 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 most people than than most of us um and and I think you could you could see that uh, in particular with with Aaron Ramsey mm. I mean that's the big one from what the updates we got yesterday it seems that Gabrielle and Mertes will be okay um, whether they're going to play this weekend remains to be seen and, and what he does but uh, obviously the Ramsey one uh, is is a bit of a blow because without Cazorla without Wilshire without Rosicki you know to have that sort of driving force in midfield that Ramsey gives you from an attacking point of view if you can provide him the right platform to go and do that and it looked as if perhaps we, we might have stumbled on that in the Spurs game with uh, Elneny and Coquelin as the, the kind of the base of the midfield and Ramsey with a, a little more freedom it worked better yeah, well, I mean that's exactly it. Um, you just preempted my point, really, which is I think it's 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 bad for us on on two fronts. The first being he's just a very good player, and I know lots lots of our fans have uh, have, have have been a bit critical of him recently. Um, but we haven't been playing particularly well as a team, and and that's been that that has a knock on effect on lots of players. It's 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 a two way street, and uh, essentially when when you take a step back, he, he's he's a brilliant footballer and, uh, and one of our best players and, and he also brings qualities that we often do lack and when he's out you just notice those lack of runs um, and and you know just, just less of a goal scoring threat essentially less sort of flair as well um, and the and, and the second thing is, is, is that we have really lacked balance this season uh, particularly in the midfield and, and, and this is where as you say at Tottenham I mean, it was just one game, and and, and we weren't particularly brilliant, even at the, at the point when we when we still had eleven men. But we did seem to have uh, a bit more of a, a balanced side, and and the team seemed to have a kind of intuition about knowing how they were playing that it, that it had uh, that it had lacked um, in in games before that, and to. I think, I mean, one of my criticisms of the manager is that when when important players are out and when players sometimes leave and and, and things go against him, he's he can be quite slow to to mould a team that has balance again, especially as I say, through the midfield and attacking midfield uh, mm. parts of the side, and and therefore losing Ramsey, you know, it just makes you think like, what are we gonna are we gonna find that now? Like, what what now? Is his kind of ideal eleven, um, and how will he how will he find that balance between the attacking elements of the side and 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 the um, and, and the rest of the midfield? So, you know it, that will be that will be a test for him uh, yeah. uh, over the next well we're being told the next six weeks at least. It, some encouragement to be taken from the performance of Joel Campbell uh, on. Uh, Tuesday night against Tall. I mean, he's a guy who's been in and out of the side, and he he, he played pretty well. He'd done some good things, and then got sort of sh- shifted to one side because the manager wanted to give Alex Oxley Chamberlain another go, and that didn't really work out for Oxley Chamberlain. Um, he's brought Campbell back in, and there's a lot to be said maybe for his attitude in the sense that he hasn't ever complained. He hasn't let his head go down. He's been shunted in and out of the team, but every time you get the same kind of effort, the same kind of work rate, and he is he is becoming a bit of a productive player. So could he fill that spot on the right-hand side between now and the end of the season? I mean, it's funny what you say about his his effort and, and work rate. I, I was I was very critical of him last season and 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 at the beginning of this season, and I'll hold my hands up and, and admit that I got a lot of that wrong. Uh, certainly, I had no idea that his through balls could be so good, and, and mm. he had he had this kind of vision and, and, and technique. I, I mean, I just previously watching him uh, for other teams in his country, I'd, I'd never noticed that. Um, but the the main the thing that's 
changed extraordinarily is is his fitness and and one of the reasons why let's say the main reason why I was so harsh on him last season the beginning of this season is he just didn't move um i i went, I went to Anderlecht last season and and the difference between welbeck and and him uh in terms of work rate was just astonishing and and he you know i mean he looked i was going to say arshavinesque it's a bit <laughs> strong really but you know he 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 really he really did lack fitness and it's strange i think maybe he just you know, it's it's taken um, it's taken the manager or the club or the coaches or whatever. It, it took a while for them to just just bring him up to fitness, perhaps, or to bring him to the level that that's required. I mean, I just thought it would be required everywhere where he was before, but uh, certainly that's that's required in this country. And it's funny that he's he's gone from one extreme to the other. He's gone from that to now, where we are crediting him with with perhaps being able to kind of put in a shift. Um, to use a very, a very, a very British term, and, and perhaps you know, therefore he can, m- m- you know, uh, have that position on the right. Where I, I don't think the manager likes having, at least regularly, a, a very attacking player on the right, very attacking player on the left, and a, and a centre forward, um, because it, it, you know you, you need to have players who can who can come back a little more. Otherwise, you end up with Özil coming deeper and deeper, and, and that's not where you want him to play. Um, um, but yeah, it's you know with with Campbell, it looks like he can uh, give Bellerin a bit of protection. He can come back and help the midfield, be involved in the build-up as well. Um, often in the build-up, he's he's better than Chamberlain, or sometimes much better. Um, so perhaps you know at, at this stage of the season, sometimes you can you can stumble upon a solution. Um, and I, I suppose let's let's hope that happens that he comes in and and it will give us a bit of a boost. Yeah. So what way do you see this weekend going? Um, the FA Cup, I suppose, re- represents the most realistic chance of a trophy for Arsenal, given where we are in the league and given who we're facing on Wednesday in the Champions League. But that then becomes an issue. Arsene Wenger says always that the next game is the most important game. But uh, how do you suspect he views that Champions League tie? He can't send a half makeshift team out to Barcelona um, and and not have a go because if they get turned over really badly it will be just a humiliation so he's got to put out a pretty strong team there uh, and the players themselves I think will want to have a go at Barcelona they won't want to go and just go through the motions regardless of how difficult it's going to be so how does he find the balance between the realism of the FA Cup and the need to try and do something against Barcelona away from home well, I think when when Arsenal plays a, a slightly uh, a slightly weakened team, it's often a little bit more solid. He, uh, where he tries to um, make up for that by making it a bit of a more solid side, rather than uh, you know, picking one with which which is very very attacking and, mm. and has players piling forward. And in, in, in the FA Cup so far, um, that's what I think that's why he's leaned towards this this sort of four three three, which is a bit different from having uh, Ozil in the team at number 10 and um, playing playing in, in, in well, what should be a more attacking way that we usually do so I, I think he'll do that basically I think he will go he will put out a strong team in Barcelona partly out of fear I, I don't think he can um, he'll be comfortable going there and, and, and not playing uh, the, the players that he trusts and that will mean a bit of rotation on Sunday but the answer, I think, is, is that he'll be uh, he'll be confident rotating uh, to some extent on Sunday and still thinking that we can get a result, um, and that might be yeah through um, through playing perhaps you know it won't be again is he's not injured is he is, no. is everyone <laughs> no. injured I no i think I he's okay he's okay uh, he's not um but uh and uh, and, then, and then perhaps uh, okay i don't know perhaps resting resting Ozil on sunday and and, and and playing him in barcelona instead so i mean he's he's a bit lucky at the moment not in other areas of the pitch but we have we have options up front um at the moment more than we we did uh a, couple of months ago so i think that's i think that's how he'll balance it really mm. um Does i also the, don't i mean watford can be you know a dangerous team when you when you 
pile forward against them as well. They're very, very direct. I mean, they're very, very solid, of course, and very direct. And uh, at home, we've been we've been caught out against those kind of tactics time and time again. So uh, I don't think Wenger will be scared about being a little bit more uh, solid with his with his team selection in the home game. Mm. Do you think the Everton game comes into the equation at all, or is that just something he'll put way off the? The, the the back burner and and deal with it when when he's coming home on Thursday night when the players are on the plane Thursday night landing at Luton or wherever it is they land in the in the small hours of Thursday morning then he starts thinking about Everton because it's a twelve forty five kickoff next Saturday you know that then could have an influence on what he does against Barcelona on Wednesday. Yeah, it could do. My answer is that I've got absolutely no idea, really. It's, <laughs> it's, the, it's the kind of game we, we go to, mess up, and then he'll moan about the fixtures afterwards. But like you say, I mean, there would be there'd be some justification in that moan because it's 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 incredibly tough, and it and it it, it is. Uh, it is still strange, I think, the way that um, that the Premier League doesn't help out our teams more uh, with 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 these with the way that the games line up when when we're playing in Europe. I mean, the the short answer to that question is, is that I still think that that he would. would that he's prioritising the league above everything, and that's certainly not reflected in our results over the last well, for much of the season actually, but certainly since the since and including the Southampton away game. Mm. Um, but it's it's clearly you can tell from his from what he says and his his. Uh, his kind of moods that, and and the fact that after like recently he didn't want to talk about the league. He said, you know, it's, don't ask me about the league. It's it's just you know it's it's ridiculous. But then after recently he he had to you know he was forced to actually say, well, we haven't given up on the league yet. And even though we're eight points behind, I very very much think that that that's what he believes. I think he he simply looks at that gap and 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 thinks Leicester will drop points. Uh, and that if we've got time to go on a run, uh, a lot of the rest of us are just probably too disillusioned with the team <laughs> way the team's been playing to think that. But I, I think he still does. So, uh, as I say, the, the short answer to the question is: out of Sunday's game, Wednesday's game, and Saturday's game, Arsene Wenger will will think that Saturday's game is the most important of the three. So that that will somehow be reflected in, in how he manages the situation, I'd have thought. Mm. It's going to be very interesting to see what he does in that regard then because, you know, you, I think he will play an FA Cup-ish team against Watford on Sunday um, and, and try and stick with some of those players who, who have been given a go. Uh, but, you know, Barcelona, well, it's going to be sapping, energy sapping out there, uh, as we know, um, when they have a lot of the football. And then 12.45, it was very interesting. I think somebody else made the point. It could have been Gary Lineker making the point that Barcelona play, um, you know, they don't play till Sunday at 3 o'clock uh, after they have a Champions League game in, in midweek. And there does seem to be no... Uh, concession at all from the Premier League that the teams that do play away in Europe um, are, are, have got a, a difficult time of it. On the other hand, though, should they? Should that not be up to the clubs then to m- make sure they have a squad that can cope with those fixtures? If you're one of the top four clubs and you're playing in the Champions League, is it not incumbent on you to to build a squad to cope with all these competitions? Yeah, I think it's a bit of both. It is. I mean, uh, perhaps the Premier League's argument to the clubs behind closed doors is with the amount of money that we earn you with our with our clever little secret auction, you can afford. Yeah, I mean, these <laughs> days can afford three or four yeah, extra players than than some teams certainly in in Italy, France, uh, and even most of the German teams. So so kind of you know perhaps deal with it. That's their argument. I mean, I'm one thing I, I've failed to understand about that dynamic is that the 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 money that the the Premier League extracts from from at the moment it's Sky and BT shows like how how in control they are and where the power lies in that they they you know i mean the share reaction of sky uh the last time the auction came out and their the shares just dropped and no one could really believe how much money the, the premier league had, had scraped out of them that they're the ones wearing the trousers and and given that that's how the relationship is i'm just a bit of me is still surprised that 
once that's done and once the money's in, the Premier League seems to just give the TV companies exactly what they want whenever they want it. There doesn't mm. seem to be hardly any kind of, of comeback. And, and I find that strange, given that they hold the balance of power, that I think the Premier League could say that we need to be a little bit more clever about when the games are. And um, I'd obviously, I mean, fan... Uh, uh, costs and 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 you know how, how fans are treated have been a have been a big topic this week and and, and grabbed the headlines and on that issue as well. I, I think there is scope for the Premier League in both cases to say to the TV companies, like you know we, we're giving you the best games. We're going to generally put them when you want to uh, show them. That's all great, but there are times when we need a bit of leeway and we just need to be clever about how we schedule uh, the matches and. Uh, I mean, that just doesn't happen at the moment, but I think I think it would be possible for them to do that. Yeah, it would be possible if they had a will to do it. I just don't think it's necessarily in the culture because they're, they're, what they're looking after is the Premier League. They're not that concerned um, with, with what the teams do in Europe. And if, for example, uh, it, it sort of equalizes things or balances things out a little bit, uh, if one team is a little more tired than another and it helps giant killings and big results happen, then maybe that's what they want. Well, I think they certainly do want seasons like the one we're having. Um, and uh, well, our, our, as in Arsenal's uh, chief exec, has previously come across a bit, sometimes almost like a, a Premier League spokesperson uh, more than an Arsenal spokesperson. He's always been very, very bullish on uh, the success of the Premier League and, and he's kind of stra- emphasised the wealth distribution within the Premier League and the competition within the Premier League and how that's going to make it. Uh, I mean, I'm going back two or three years now. His argument was that that is going to make it superior to Spain, Germany, Italy, etc. And and really that's come true. It's it's been, you know, um that's been uh, what what we've been seeing in the last season and this whole this whole sort of phenomenon of of Stoke spending more money than than AC Milan etc uh, etc. Et mm. So I mean, perhaps that's it. I think perhaps you're right. They you know they they want they want that sort of almost English farcical kind of side <laughs> to the game. Anyone could be anyone. It's a bit of a circus. What's going to happen? It's all mayhem, and maybe that does work. Maybe that that draws uh, that draws the the crowds in, if you can, in in the sense of TV uh, TV viewers. But I mean, the, the counter to that would be: would well, do they want to end up? where people the reputation of of the english league is oh it's just you know it's a it's a crazy uh competition where anyone could be anyone but the the really top teams are, are based in other countries mm. is, is is that what they or do they do they not think it's uh it's it's a it's a great advert if 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 our top teams can uh consistently show themselves to be to be better than than those in other countries but it's a good point you raise because maybe it actually doesn't matter maybe the league itself would would do better um, even if no English team won the European Cup for the next 10 10 or 20 years yeah yeah I wonder as well if it would uh, affect the way or where the biggest players go because I think the biggest players go where not where they're necessarily assured of prizes because it's sort of um, a chicken and egg situation if you go to one of the biggest clubs in in, uh, Germany or Spain chances are you're gonna you're gonna win something, but with England, if it is crazy, if it remains crazy, you don't know who's gonna win the Premier League. If we have more Leicesters or whatever the hell it might be, um, will the wages be enough to to get these players? Yeah, well, you think that the overall quality of of players would would increase um, because you wouldn't have to have like Alan Hutton and people like this in the, in the league because there'd be much better fullbacks across the world yeah, joining you at the, at the drop of a hat for the money for everything um, the the question is yeah would you get uh, sort of roll out the cliches you know would you get the Messi's and the Ronaldo's etc or, or would they would they all just stay at the Real Madrid's Barcelona's and Bayern Munich's because that's where you go to win the European Cup I don't see that changing I have to say all right, well, look, a big week for Arsenal. We'll keep our fingers crossed. Julian, uh, thanks a million as always. Absolutely. Thank you.
You can follow Gingers for Limpar on Twitter at Gingers for Limpar, where four is the number four. So do check that out and give a follow if you're not already. So look, we're really close to the end of the show. The team news from yesterday, the manager a bit more confident about Mertesacker and Gabriel. Uh, what else? Lauren Koscielny, bit of a doubt. I don't think he'll be risked on Sunday if there's any chance of him aggravating anything ahead of Barcelona and Everton. Um, what else? Uh, Ramsey is out, Czech is out, Wilshire out, Cazorla out, uh, Oxlade-Chamberlain out I don't know who else is out, lots of others out, but you know, we'll just have to see we'll just have to take it one game at a time uh, and see what happens, it's a big one on Sunday, it really is it's an FA Cup quarter-final to bring us to an FA Cup semi-final if we get there, and we could win the FA Cup for the third time in a row even if our sights were at the start of the season, or not so long ago even set a little bit higher than that I don't think this is anything to be sniffed at. So let's hope that uh, those tickets that were opted out were bought by other Red members, that there is a good atmosphere, that everyone there is fully behind the team uh, on Sunday, and that we can get ourselves an FA Cup semi-final. And then and then who knows? So look, we'll leave it there. James and I will be here on Monday with an Arscast Extra, looking back at the weekend, looking ahead to the Barcelona game. Uh, thank you, as ever, for listening. Remember, if you, uh, if you subscribe on iTunes, you can leave a rating or a review. That's very much appreciated. It knocks us up the iTunes charts when you do that, so that's all very much appreciated. Catch you on the Arscast Extra on Monday. Until then, have yourselves a great weekend. Cheers. Bye-bye. Darling, thank you so much for coming in, Dr. David Banner, otherwise known as the Incredible Hulk. And I have to say, you have been the most Incredible Hulk down the years. I would go so far as to say a glorious Hulk. Glorious. Of course, it doesn't have the same menace as Incredible, but there you go. Anyway, we've called you in today just to let you know we're going to have to make a little change I know, I know you've been so loyal down the years. You've done everything we've asked. But the people have spoken via the medium of an eight-foot by five-foot piece of cloth. That's just the way it is. I know. We can't ignore that message. We're going to have to let you go. After all, what better way is there to get a brand new Hulk than a Dr. David Banner Banner? That's right, a Dr. David Banner Banner. Um, um. Oh, this is not going to end well for me.